This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Top of the hour here on the Daily Tip as we start hour two of the show here on the BetQL Network. Jam-packed hour coming your way, starting with MVP Monday, who had the best weekend across the sports landscape. We'll get into that in a couple minutes. Then, next segment, we've got Monday Night Football on the card. What are our favorite plays in the Bills and Broncos matchup. Are we in for another primetime under? That's been the trend. Does it end tonight? Then at 740, we've got an NBA Monday coming your way, and we'll try to find some matchups where maybe you want to sprinkle a little money, maybe while you're waiting for these Monday night football games to uh, commence. Jenks, as I was trying to plan ahead for the weeks ahead in Thanksgiving, I was thinking... What are the side dishes that you absolutely have to have for Thanksgiving? Because so far, I think we're going to do mac and cheese. Obviously, that's the only thing my daughter eats. So we got to have that. We're going to do some kind of vegetable. And then Jake wants to do stuffing, which I hate stuffing. I think it's stupid. I will not eat it, but it feels necessary. What's something you can't live without when it comes to a Thanksgiving dinner? Oh, gosh. That's, hmm. Well, first of all, I love stuffing, and I like to put gravy on my stuffing. What I love more than, you know what I can't do without on Thanksgiving? Honestly, it's not a side dish. It's the day after. It's the day after when I make myself that amazing turkey sandwich, and I got some mayo on there. I got some turkey. I got some dressing, maybe just a touch of cranberry sauce. I don't like to overdo it there. And then there's something about Thanksgiving leftovers and putting it all on a sandwich, which I think is the best thing ever. That's what I have to have. Now, I will say as a side, I think your daughter has it right. Blake is right. I turn into a child. Give me some mac and cheese. I'll crush that all day long. So if I have to have a side, even though I didn't grow up with mac and cheese as a side, I love mac and cheese. So that would be my side. But overall, I need the day after Thanksgiving sandwich. Well, it sounds like you need the the traditional sides then because this is where I have a big blind spot because I don't like stuffing. I don't like gravy. I don't like cranberry sauce, but it feels like those are things that you kind of have to have, right? Like, can't Mm -hmm. you, you probably have to have those if you are hosting a Thanksgiving dinner, no? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm very traditional when it comes to Thanksgiving. 
<laughs> Dude, I don't know why this popped into my head. Yes, I'm very – I like to have turkey. I like to have dressing. I like to – asparagus? I don't know. I've always had asparagus for Thanksgiving. I don't know why. My mom always made those when we were growing up. But I like asparagus. Whatever it is, mac and cheese. You got to have mashed potatoes. That's a huge one. You got to have mashed potatoes. Mm. That's a big part of Thanksgiving. So got to have just a traditional Thanksgiving meal. I do remember one time years ago, and I don't know why it struck me as so funny, but Sage was interviewing Sage Steele. used to be at ESPN. That's when Sage worked here at Comcast Sportsnet, and she's the Ravens beat reporter, and she was in the locker room interviewing some linebacker for the Ravens asking him about his favorite Thanksgiving traditions. And he goes, Oh, spaghettis. I love spaghettis. <laughs> and she's like, For Thanksgiving. With an S? What is end? your favorite thing? Yes. And he added the S. <laughs> and we ran this soundbite again and again and again. And she was like, Okay, you know what I'm talking about Thanksgiving, right? Your favorite meal for Thanksgiving. He goes, Spaghettis. I love spaghettis. And by God, I don't know. I don't know if that was a tradition in his household, but he loves spaghetti. So everyone has their own thing. I am more traditional in that way. But yeah, as long as I get my day after sandwich, I'm usually good to go. Yeah, I only have two non-negotiables. That is turkey and that is pumpkin pie. And I was a late arrival on the pumpkin mm. pie train. I never used to oh, like yeah. pie because my mom didn't make pies growing up. But now that I've had a good pumpkin pie, I got to have it. And I can't live without it when it comes to Thanksgiving. <laughs> Are you big on pumpkin pie? I love pumpkin pie. I had this debate with Fred Smoot. used to play for the Redskins back in the day, now the Commanders. And he hates pumpkin. He hates everything pumpkin. I mean, went off on this rant. Like, I don't like pumpkin anything. Pumpkins have no use. What's the point of pumpkin anything? And I was like, man, I don't, I don't know. Like, I love a good pumpkin pie. I will crush pecan pie. Ooh, that's a good one, too. That's a classic Thanksgiving one. But I will crush either of those. So I'm with you on the pumpkin train. Oh, now I want some pie. Is it too early for pie? Yeah. I think I'm going to go to no. Publix after this and get me a pumpkin pie. <laughs> uh, get in the festive spirit. All right, let's get in the MVP spirit and go down mm. the candidates and see who had the best weekend of them all across the sports world. Y'all are forgetting the most MVP-ish of all MVP-ish side dishes of them all. What's that? Green Which bean is? casserole. Come on. Ah, oh, I am making that, David. D. But I'm getting it pre-made, so it probably won't be as good. Because I'm getting like this thing Kroger where you can get like the, the turkey and a bunch of sides. It's all in like mm -hmm. a, a pre-made thing because I don't really love cooking. But green bean casserole is one of them. I do think that is a very popular side. Absolutely. It's my favorite side out of them all. And I'm I'm going to agree with Mr. Smoot. Uh, can't stand pumpkin. Don't want anything to do with pumpkin. Really? Yeah. Don't nip. Bleh. No. <laughs> I agree with the exception of pumpkin pie because I love the idea of pumpkin. Like I got some mm -hmm. pumpkin flavored cold brew and I was like, oh, I'll get into the spirit, you know, kind of like a pumpkin spice latte. No, it tastes terrible. So pumpkin's really hard to get right when it comes to flavors in other things. But pumpkin pie is the one thing that I do feel like has a place in our society. Well, I have That's one more real <laughs> one more real quick that is off the radar. My mom used to make an oyster casserole for Thanksgiving that was absolutely delicious. So that has become a family tradition for us. We do oyster casserole at our house. 
What is in that besides oysters? Like, Oyster what castle. goes with oysters? Seawater? <laughs> it's, it, it, it really, it, it's basically oysters uh, in, in like a bread casserole. And so it's oysters and bread. It's really weird. It's really stupid, but it's unique. And I fell in love with it when I was young, so it's a tradition for our family. But that being said, let's get go from the MVPs of Thanksgiving to our MVPs of the weekend. MVP number one, Jane Daniels, LSU. Daniels pulls it, takes it himself. He's got the sideline. Jane Daniels off to the races. And a bend back inside. He takes it to the house. 85 yards for Daniels. Daniels trying to run it. Got some space. What a move. Jane Daniels again. Daniels became the first quarterback in FBS history to throw for at least 350 yards and rush for 200 or more in the Tigers' 52-35 win over Florida. Daniels finished 17-26 for 372 yards and three touchdowns in the air and ran for 234 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Nominee number two, Cody Schrader, Missouri. And it's first and goal for Mizzou at the seven. Schrader, number seven, in for the touchdown. So first down at the nine-minute mark. Schrader. Cody Schrader. Wow. He's putting on a show. 31 more yards. That offensive line for Missouri is putting on a show. Schrader finished with 321 yards from scrimmage as Missouri crushed Tennessee 36-7. Schrader ran for 205 yards on 35 carries and caught five passes for another 116 yards. His 321 total yards was just 12 yards shy of the Missouri record. Nominee number three, first time we're mentioning this name, probably won't be the last, Caitlin Clark, Iowa. Double team comes, spins away. There's the ninth. And now Caitlin Clark. It's going to be a fun season to watch her add to the. Yeah, she's not shying away from these bright lights. Great catch and release. Caitlin, congratulations. Became the all time leading scorer. Clark became the all-time leading scorer in Iowa women's basketball history when she scored 24 points in the Hawkeyes' 94-53 win over Northern Iowa on Sunday. Clark recorded a triple-double in the win with 24 points, 11 assists, and 10 rebounds. Clark is now 25th all-time in NCAA history with 2,813 career points. And nominee number four, Dak Prescott, Dallas Cowboys. Bringing the fullback, fake to Pollard here, floating it out for Ferguson, touchdown Dallas. Second and goal, Prescott going for Cooks, he's got it, touchdown Dallas. Final seconds of the half, third and nine, Prescott flushed out of the pocket, looking to run, Dak Prescott is in, touchdown. 
Prescott went 26 to 35 for 404 yards and four touchdowns and ran for another score in just three quarters of work as Dallas hammered the Giants 49 to 17. Prescott threw touchdown passes to four different receivers and helped Brendan Cooks and CeeDee Lamb both go over 150 yards receiving. Dallas is now 4-0 at home, outscoring opponents 160-50. to Jenks, who is your Monday mm. MVP? I got to get it to Jane Daniels. I mean, what he did in that game is unbelievable. I thought about Caitlin Clark. Cody Schrader is a great story because he came from an FCS school. So to see him become just an absolute all-everything player in a huge game against Tennessee was awesome. But Jaden Daniels, we've been talking about this all season long. Even now, even though LSU doesn't necessarily have the record, well, they don't have the record of an Oregon or a Washington or a Michigan where you see Heisman Trophy favorites like a Bo Nix, like a Michael Penix Jr., like a J.J. McCarthy. The fact that Daniels is doing this in the SEC at the highest level is just unbelievable. And remember, he left the game last week in the fourth quarter because he was banged up. So in an SEC game, to put on this sort of performance is just remarkable. I think he's probably the best player in college football. And I still feel like, we're not talking about him enough, which is insane to say, but I'm going Jaden Daniels, LSU. You know who we're not talking about enough? CJ Stroud of the Houston Texans. How is he not even on this list? Listen, we went down this road just last week here on the Daily Tip. Should we be talking about CJ Stroud as a contender for the MVP? Last week, he was 100 to 1. 100 to 1 to win this award. Guess what he's down to now? 30 to 1. That is a major odd shift. And maybe he doesn't win the MVP this year. But if you look at his numbers, and especially over the weekend, the fact that, oh, by the way, the Houston Texans as six point dogs plus 205 on the money line with a huge upset of the Cincinnati Bengals. Guess what? The Texans have the same record as the Cincinnati Bengals do five and four. And guess who led the game winning drive? That would be C.J. Stroud, who once again put up some monster numbers. 364 total yards of offense, 9.1 yards per attempt. And again, the game-winning drive that sealed the deal for a team that's now really in contention to win their division just a couple games behind the Jaguars in the AFC South. So for me, it has to be C.J. Stroud. You look at the season-long numbers, he's right up there with the best of the best. Sitting at 15 touchdowns, only two interceptions, the second most passing yards in the league. So MVP of the weekend for me, C.J. Stroud, Houston Texans. Oh. I am going to go with Cody Schrader for one reason and one reason only. I actually watched this game from start to finish because, you know, certain people on the show wanted to give me stuff for taking – Missouri over Tennessee in our parlay. So I wanted to watch this game. Uh, he was unstoppable. Absolutely a stud throughout the game. Could not be brought down. I give it to Cody Schrader. One man wrecking crew for Missouri against Tennessee. And all three of them are, are viable, viable choices, by the way. Yeah, eventually I'm sure we're going to give something to Caitlin Clark. It's just this game was not even close. And there's plenty of season yeah. left for her to sweep 
every single award because we saw this last year she was completely dominant looks like she's gonna be completely dominant again so she will have her time just not this week because i'm giving it to cj stroud jinx do you think there is a chance that cj stroud can win the mvp because strictly from a value standpoint i think he can like it's a good bet but it's hard to upset the favorites he's not gonna win it but you're right value wise absolutely worth a shot yeah, it's worth a couple bucks. At least yeah. at 100 to 1 it was. All right, coming up next, uh, what's worth a couple bucks? Betting on Broncos Bills Monday night. Our favorite plays in prime time coming your way next on The Daily Tip. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. <laughs> on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Off and rolling on this Monday morning. Yes, we know Mondays suck, but at least we have Monday Night Football to bet on. We have the Broncos and the Bills squaring off in primetime tonight, and Buffalo, big favorites here Seven and a half point favorites. We'll get to that game in just a minute uh, here on the show. But Jinx, over the weekend, I had some time to watch something on Netflix. And I watched a couple episodes of the documentary on David Beckham. Have you seen any of this yet? Uh, I have not. We watched a lot of Netflix as well. I know what you're talking about, and I've heard it's really good. How was it? It made me realize that I have massive blind spots when it comes to international sports because I feel like I know who David Beckham is. I knew he was really good at soccer. I knew he was married to Posh Spice. But apparently there's like this big deal in 1998 where he played for England in the World Cup and he he made this like massive uh, lapse of judgment or at least that's what they were calling it. And he got red carded Mm -hmm. and taken out of the game England lost that match and apparently the whole country like turned on him. I did not know that this was such a massive deal. Did you even know about this? No, I know about Beckham and about his career, but I did not realize that was a part of his history. So I'm right there with you. I'll be the first to tell you that the beautiful game is not my strength. I know a little soccer, but I don't remember that particular part of his journey, as people like to say. Yeah, I had no idea. And as somebody who I feel like I'm pretty clued into sports, it was wild to me that I just felt like, oh my God, I don't know everything. Like, do you ever have that feeling about a sport? Like, I know I don't know a lot about hockey and I knew I didn't know a lot about soccer, but I at least know the big names. Like I knew he existed, but this, he, they based like most of the documentary, like this was a pivotal moment in his career where he became Mm -hmm. the villain. Like he was not, you know, the 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 protagonist in his story anymore. People were actively rooting against him, sending him bullets in the mail. It was wild oh, to me that I didn't even hear of that. And to my credit, I was only 10 at the time, maybe nine. And we had a lot of stuff going on in our, um, our, our American sports culture during mm-hmm. 1998. I think it's back when Michael Jordan was super popular. We had the Cowboys and the 49ers. I think my brother had a uniform 
uh, from H, which is the ultimate bandwagon fan. And I will never let my child do that. Uh, but we had a lot going on. So it just, it was wild to me because it felt like a story in an instance where I felt like non-sports fans at the time, where you had to explain everything to me. You had to start from scratch. So sometimes <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to people about sports and they're probably like, what is she even talking about? Because sometimes I forget people don't know about sports betting either. Well, it's true. Absolutely. I've had friends of mine who were big sports fans and they've said, you have to explain this sports betting thing to me. And so the only reason I say that is because not to shoot our own horns or anything like that. The point is, it's not easy, particularly when you're first learning about sports betting. So you can know a ton about sports and not necessarily understand what lines mean and what line movement means or how it takes place or why it takes place or if there's value, if there's not. And I would not feel bad about that because I've said this before when I was asked initially to do a sports betting show by NBC back in the day, I said, no. I said no because I thought, how you want me to talk for four hours? I do this five to 10 minutes a week and I barely understand it as it is. And I hope I'm not a dullard. I, I was like, I, I'm someone who studies this, who sort of understands it. How am I going to do four hours? And I could talk sports with you all day long. So if you're someone who is a huge fan, but you're just now dabbling and getting into sports betting, don't feel bad at all or beat yourself up just because you're kind of figuring it out. Because it's easy now. We've been doing this for years. But I'll be the first to tell you, when I first started, I didn't know Jack. Well, even to people who know a ton about football, like the running joke in primetime matchups is when they do the panel of all the analysts and all these people are far more qualified to talk about football than I am. These are Hall of Famers right. in their own right and guys who have played the game a long time and they go across the board and they make their picks. And of course, all of them pick the favorite. And what do you right. know in the NFL, a league that has a ton of parody that feels <laughs> like the kiss of death, death. And that feels like the case in Correct. which the underdog surprises some people. So I think one of the basic tenets of sports betting is to try to find a team in which the public has completely shied away from. And, you know, the market could not be lower. And you say, okay, well, if you're giving me enough points, maybe then I will think like a contrarian mm -hmm and play the other side. So I think that is an important thing to look at this game between the Bills and the Broncos and say to yourself, okay, have the Broncos hit a low enough point to where I want to buy in on Russell Wilson and this Broncos team if you're giving me seven points because this spread has gone down from seven and a half to seven. And it's still a very tough question because the Broncos, I'll give you, they're really hard to trust, especially when it comes to their offense. Russell Wilson has not been prolific this year. In fact, I think he's hit under 200 yards passing in most of these games this season. But again, you're getting seven points. So, Jenks, what was your initial read when you saw this line between the Bills and the Broncos? Well, initially, I'll be the first to tell you that I like the Bills just because I, I do think, and we've seen some money come in on the Broncos because it's moved from Bills minus seven and a half to Bills minus seven. So I, I thought Bills, but the more I thought about it and the more I read about it, the more I realized I, I think the Broncos are the right side here. Now, there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is that that Buffalo secondary is essentially a mash unit right now. You've got Micah Hyde ruled out for this game. 
You've got Christian Bedford not playing in this game. Their second-year corner. Trey Davis is already out for the season. They might they might slide in DeMar Hamlin as at least being active. He's been a healthy scratch, essentially, over the past few games. But that's how... That's how banged up they are in the secondary. Now, I don't think Russell Wilson is going to take advantage of that. But what I do think is the Broncos are coming off a bye. The Broncos haven't played a football game in 15 days. They are going to be rested. They will be well prepared for this game. And also the Bills are 0-5 against the number in their last five. I know when you think about that Broncos defense, last year it was incredible. And then they got cooked by Miami early on in the season. But they have really tightened up and become the same defense that we saw last year this season. In their past three games, they've allowed 19 points, 17 points, and 9 points. And two of those games were against the Chiefs. So if you're the Broncos, I think they hand the ball off a lot. They keep this close. They rely on their defense, and they rely on Josh Allen to maybe turn it over a time or two. He's thrown an interception in five straight games. I'm going with the Broncos. I don't know how good I feel about it. It's still Denver, but I think Denver is the right side here. I think so as well. Like, maybe I'm not playing it, but it's only the Broncos for me. Like, it would never yeah. be the Bills if you get the drift that I am throwing out there. Yes. Uh, I think this is a case of the Broncos. You see the stats on paper, and there is a game that is very much skewing the results. Like, we all remember the one game that sticks out to everybody in which they gave up 70 points to the Miami Dolphins. When you have yeah. numbers and stats and you have an outlier like that, it can ruin the entire pack of stats. And granted, the Broncos were giving up a lot of yards to other teams too. It just, I think that one game kind of made them look a lot worse than maybe they actually are. I'm trying to decide though, because I was going to call this a buy low spot for the Broncos, but is mm -hmm. it really a buy low spot if you're coming off a massive win over the Chiefs for the first time in what, 17 tries? That is the only sabotage factor, I think, in my mentality of saying this is mm -hmm. a buy low spot for the Broncos. But also, they've had some time off. Like, it's a team coming off a of bye week. So, it just feels like it's a great situation for the Broncos here. You mentioned the injuries that the Bills have. And also, I think if the Broncos can get the run game going, which has been the case for teams going against the Bills, the Buffalo Bills are giving up 4.9 yards per carry on the ground. So, yes, I mentioned that Russell Wilson has not been prolific, but in games where they've won, he is not needed to be because they have established the run early and mm -hmm. often, and it's kind of taken the pressure off the passing game. So I think that's probably the game plan tonight for the Broncos. That's why I kind of like Javante Williams running back for the Broncos over his rushing prop of 55 and a half. Like I said, uh, Bill's giving up the second or third most yards per carry of any team in the NFL against the run. Uh, so I think if the Broncos can establish the run, they can at least keep it close. And then let's talk about the total because we said top of the show, mm -hmm. primetime unders are so hot that at this point it feels like they're an autoplay. Right now, I believe they're 24 and 7 this year. Primetime unders hitting at a massive clip. The total in this game set for 47 and a half. Do you think this is another case of a primetime under? Yes, I do. And I'm going to be on Javante Williams as well. I just can't decide if I'm going to bet his rushing prop or his carries prop because I think they're going to feed him as well. I think both actually might hit, so I love that as well. I love the under here. And I think if you look at this Denver defense, which I've mentioned, this Denver defense has been elite over the past 
three weeks. Again, extra time to prepare. Also, Josh Allen has been, I don't want to say a turnover machine. That's exaggerating. But he has a propensity to give up the football and take points off the board. So, again, he's thrown a pick in five straight games. We know the drill with primetime unders. And if you're the Broncos, don't you just want to hand the football off? You don't want to put this game in the hands of Russell Wilson. What you want to do is rely on your defense, which has been great, and run the football because, as you mentioned, the Bills have a real weakness at stopping the run. They're actually terrible. One of the worst teams in the NFL at allowing explosive plays on the ground. And also, one thing we have not talked about is the weather tonight in Buffalo. It's going to be in the 40s. There's going to be wind gusts around 10 to 20 miles an hour. So what does that do? That cuts down or at least makes it more difficult to pass the football. I like the under quite a bit, so I'm definitely on that as one of my plays. Yeah, it should be noted it's not always the cold weather that's the problem. It's the wind gusts that you're talking about. They can really put a damper on the passing game. So let's go back to Javante Williams because right now his line for rushing yards sets at 54 and a half, the over juice to minus 118. But you're talking about the attempts, and it seems almost Mm -hmm. officially low to me. His attempts, 13 and a half. Why is that so low? Because clearly he has established himself as the lead running back. He got 27 carries last time around against the Chiefs. But you should note that game was not super close. The Broncos won at 24-9. So I guess if you are saying that this game is a little closer, and especially if the Broncos are losing, maybe that's your sabotage factor. So would you go with the carries or would you go with the yards? Have you decided yet? God, I'm going back and forth, and you quite literally took the words out of my mouth. I This seems way too low. That's what I don't understand. His carries is set at 35, 35, 13 and a half. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. He carried the ball 15 times two weeks ago, carried the ball 27 times the week after that. So I think this is going to be a closer game than people anticipate. The Bills are weak against the run. Why wouldn't you feed Javante Williams? I can't understand why his carries are so low here. And then aren't these related, Chelsea? I mean, maybe he Mm -hmm. gets 12 carries and goes for 56 yards and his yardage prop hits and the carries prop doesn't hit. But that seems that that seems a little incongruent to me. It feels like if you like one, you have to like the other, right? I think the the reason I would lean towards the yardage play is you mentioned the Bills giving up explosive plays. And if that is the Uh, case here, I think you go with the rushing yards. That way, if he does have a big big run here, that's how you get it. I think that is the goal in props for me, is that you want a prop that has the ability to go way over. Because the thing about carries, maybe it's a sweat at the end. Like, he's not going to go over this in the first half. You're going to have to wait till the end of this game and hope that they're running down the clock or they're not way behind in this game. So I think I would still go with yards here because 54 and a half seems like a pretty low number for somebody who had a ton of carries last game and got this by a lot despite not averaging that many uh, per carry. Because the game before that, he was averaging 5.5 against the the Packers. But against the Chiefs, it was far from uh, efficient when it came to his yards per carry. Just uh, three-point yards... Uh, 3.1 yards per carry. So I think I would go with yards as opposed to attempts. Well, you just talked me into it. As you were talking, I was like, that's a very good point. So I just changed my play. 
I'm going with the under, and I'm going with his rushing yards over. And I just keep going back to the fact that, man, that attempts that attempts number just seems crazy low to me. And it seems like such an obvious bet. And maybe it is. I've seen a lot of people on it. But that's a very good point about the explosive plays because all he needs is one or two. And if he can get 10 carries but a couple of explosive plays are put in there, then all of a sudden – he gets that number, so I'm going to be with you on that. I like it. If we're talking about explosive plays, we probably should mention Stefan Diggs. Looks like he's going to play in this one. He's been on the injury report, but uh, he is expected to play tonight. A big boost for the Buffalo Bills. Coming up next, it's time to dip our toes into the NBA waters and give you our best plays in the association next on The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on a Monday. Trying to figure out which NBA games we should be betting on tonight because it's not a full slate, just a few games tonight. So we'll try to pick the best ones and give you some plays that maybe you can pocket yourself a little money on. Jenks, we've Mm. made fun of the NBA in-season tournament uh, at length here on the show, and I do think it is a little confusing and a little pointless. But let's hear from some of the players because NBA.com rounded up some quotes from the players on this tournament. And there were some funny quotes. Uh, There are some guys that really like it. Tyrese Halliburton of the Pacers said, quote, I thought it was fire. I love the court color. It feels like I'm an NBA 2K out there. Because that's one thing you do notice about the in-season tournament is that these courts are like, wild amounts of color that it does look kind of drastic out there but then there's guys like Jalen Brown of the Celtics who says quote I wouldn't choose the word excited but ready if there's basketball to be played our group will Mm -hmm. be ready I would say most of these quotes sound like the guys actually like it but I'm trying Mm -hmm. to decide if this is just quote unquote like coach speak of these players trying to be nice and like not step on the toes of the league or if they're actually excited for it. Do you think the players like this? No, I don't. I think the players think it's cool to have really colorful courts in these city edition jerseys. When you talk about, seriously, when your first thought that comes to your mind when you're asked about the NBA Cup, which is a little coffee cup you get after you win. It's a nice little porcelain. You can get them off Amazon. They're very nice. They come with a saucer engraved because the NBA is classy. If the first thing you mention is, I like the color of the basketball court, do you think I understand why they're doing it, and it's a cool aside or something that they add to the mix, which is specific to the NBA Cup. But this is supposed to be about competition. It's supposed to add to the intrigue. There's money involved. If the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, man, these courts are pretty. They're really colorful. Then why not just add colorful courts, I don't know, twice a month or something. And then the players can still get the same thrill of playing on the court 
and then going about their business. I think if you're talking about basketball, I haven't seen any player or heard any player talk about this in a way which is specific to basketball. It's about the the jerseys. It's about, oh, it's kind of cool. But no one's really into the basketball aspect of it. See, I don't think so either, but like the quotes are saying Mm -hmm. otherwise because there are a lot of positive quotes coming forward. And again, I'm trying to decide if these players are just trying to be in line with what the league's doing or if they are actually voicing their opinions because here's the ultimate coach speak test. When LeBron James opens his mouth, it feels like there's always like something else at play because his quote was, we'll take it. We'll take it for sure. There's 500,000 per player on the line so we're going for that we're going for that five hundred thousand dollars to a lot of people is a lot of money but to lebron james do you think this is really the motivating factor because i feel like he's got all sorts of money and five hundred thousand dollars in the grand scheme of things seems Mm -hmm. seems very small to him but he also kind of has the personality of like a middle-aged dad to where I can see him being very frugal and be like, oh, yeah, yes. you've got to count your pennies where you got them. So maybe he <laughs> yeah. actually does think that this is a big amount of money that should be played for. I'm sure he appreciates it, but he doesn't need it, which is crazy to say when you're talking about this much money. It's obviously a lot of money. I think LeBron probably more than anyone appreciates any sort of competition. So I think he acknowledges it is a lot of money. One thing you can say about LeBron is he has always had some he's always had an appreciation appreciation for the game and is always something who is about the sport he is about the game he is about ball and so yeah I don't think he needs it I don't think it's a factor for him but I think he does understand that there are other people who certainly don't make what he makes so for some guys yeah this is huge so I think if there's probably a player out there who does appreciate at least this a little bit it's probably LeBron But here's where I think the coach speak might come in because isn't the larger goal for guys like LeBron James, Steph Curry, Mm -hmm. Draymond Green, whoever, to get a championship ring, like not an NBA in-season tournament championship, but a win in the NBA finals. And especially for the older guys Mm -hmm. who load management has been a hot button issue over the past few years, but it just feels to me that if it's tough for them to go an entire season and then at the end of the year go to another gear for the postseason, I'm not sure if we're going to get the best level of effort. Like, it's relative speaking because obviously they're going to try where they're on the court, but I just don't see themselves running themselves ragged for some of these games just because it's the NBA in-season tournament. Well, it's still during the regular season. Money is really the only motivating factor here, right? It, it really is, if you're asking me. So I don't know, I don't know why in the world you would care about this outside of I need the money, which means generally it's going to be the guys who don't make a lot of money who really care about it more than anything. You're always going to want to win, no question about it. But as far as winning the NBA Cup, I, that's not going to go on a resume. Nobody cares. Nobody is going to care that you won an in-season NBA tournament. So what? If you got some extra money, great. But if you're playing in the league, the goal is to what? Always win a chip, to win a title. So you can be the NBA Cup champion of the world. You could win nine straight NBA Cups. 
But if you don't have a title, do you think anybody's going to care? Dude, nobody, nobody has more NBA cups than this guy. It sounds like you have a cup collection is what it sounds like. Nobody <laughs> has purchased more NBA cups off of eBay than this one guy. He's got more NBA cups than anyone. He purchased one every year. So, yeah, I I think it's lame. Clearly, I don't think the players care. Sure, money is always a motivator. For that reason they care, from a competition standpoint, they're going to try to win no matter what. So, I don't think they I don't think they really put any thought into this. The players yeah, I think it's just another game because it's part of the regular season. So granted, it's like yeah. a regular season game. Of course, they want to win. I just don't see themselves running themselves ragged, playing through multiple injuries, if that is the case here. And you're right. Commem- commemorative cup is what I imagine. Like, you know, those things they advertise on like Fox News, where it's like the commemorative right. patriotic coin. And every like person over 80 is like, ooh, I got to get myself that commemorative coin that has the bald <laughs> eagle for oh, $29.95. Yeah. You can get your hands it's on this deal. commemorative cup. Uh, so, yes, we kind of laugh at the fact, but they're still game. So I would imagine the effort level is going to be there. I just don't think that they will play through the injuries and put their bodies online quite the way that they would do in the NBA Finals. So let's get to some of these games that we have on the slate tonight because we do have some okay games, I guess you would say. Uh, Let's start with the Knicks and the Celtics. From a viewing perspective, this is probably going to be the best one, even though the spread doesn't really indicate that. The Celtics' big favorites at home here, minus 8.5, total of 220.5. Last year, the Celtics were not great at covering massive numbers, but this year, they've been the exact opposite, covering a lot of massive numbers. In fact, when the spread is anywhere above eight, they've covered every single game with the exception of one, and that was against the Miami Heat, who are a pretty solid team. So would you take that same mentality about the New York Knicks and say, okay, the Knicks are not a bottom-of-the-barrel team. Maybe if they're getting eight and a half, nine points here, they're worth a play. Yeah, I, I like the Knicks. I, I think the Knicks are a team that, A, they're playing good basketball right now. They've won three straight, and they just came off scoring, what, a season high yesterday, 129 against the Hornets. Now, the Hornets are terrible. They don't play defense. But I think they're playing good basketball, and if you go back to last season, the Knicks were the third most profitable team against the spread when playing on the road. I believe they're 3-1 and one against the number this season on the road away from the Garden. So... This just feels like way too many points to me. I looked at the early money, which has come in on the Knicks. So you always run the risk when the Celtics particularly are playing at home of a blowout here. But I think the the Knicks are good enough to keep this within the numbers. So I'm grabbing the Knicks and the points. I think it would only be Knicks for me. Like it would never be Celtics. It would only be the Knicks if you're looking at that situation. But I do think there is a prop worth considering here. Julius Randle over his rebounding prop of nine and a half. It is plus money. But he's hit this in every single game but one this year. It was last game against the Hornets because that game was a blowout. He only played 27 minutes. Also, if you look at the Celtics this year, they are constructed a bit differently than they have been in years past because Kristaps Porzingis is down low. He's not somebody who's known for his defensive prowess. And that is reflected in uh, the numbers against the, the Celtics this season. If you look at their stats against power forwards this year, they are giving up the sixth most rebounds to opposing power forwards. I think Julius Randle is going to be in a good spot here in a meaningful game because usually I would say coming off a back-to-back, this is not a great spot for the Knicks. 
But don't you feel like when it's two teams who are the cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference that both these teams are probably going to be, you know, up for this game? Yeah, I think so, too. And it, it's hard to judge motivation early in the season, right? Because you are talking about two of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. Boston, right up there, could win the NBA title. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think when this just seems like a big number when you're talking about a Celtics team that while is very good, I don't think they're this many points better than the Knicks. And the Knicks can go on and make a statement. And sometimes you can make a statement without winning a game. You can make a statement by saying, hey, we went on the road and we took you guys to the buzzer or we were a bucket or two from winning this thing. Nobody likes moral victories in any sport, but I think that's a factor as well when you have a team who is very good, who has talent to match up with Boston and who wants to make an early statement as to how they plan on playing for the rest of the regular season. So I think you take that into account as well. Ooh, you need to be on the PR staff of like Jimbo Fisher. Just because you don't <laughs> win a game doesn't mean Moral you don't victories. make a statement. <laughs> Moral victories. Or maybe James Franklin's PR staff, because I yeah. guess Jimbo Fisher doesn't need anybody. He's going to be on the beach sipping the most expensive drink mm -hmm. that they offer. I cannot say I am not jealous of him. What a life. $70 million oh to lose games. I would love to be in that position, but I'm not, so I'm still working. So let's try to win ourselves some money. We'll take an early look at next uh, week's lines and what we learned from week 10 in the NFL next on The Daily Tip. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.